Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast with MyDieselClaim.com. Hello, Paul Hayward and Glenn Murray here with the official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast the show that takes you behind the scenes at your football club. And before we start, Glenn, I think you want to clarify something you said recently about leadership. I do indeed, yes. On on the podcast that I came on, my first one, you asked me about leaders in the dressing room and I missed the biggest leader out, unfortunately. And I, I listened back to the episode and I felt terrible about it. And it's Bruno Salto. And it's someone that I really, really looked up to. Uh, I was an elder statesman of, of the squad. He was even older. And he was someone that I watched and learned from. Even at my ripe old age of 34, 35, I was still learning from Bruno. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Your apology is accepted. Um, and we have another treat for you. In this episode, Joel Veltman tells us about his early life at Ajax, starting out as a left winger, and why Brighton is so like Amsterdam. Joel Veltman, welcome to the official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Uh, Glenn, you're going to start. I am, yes. And I think the right place to start is 19 years at Ajax. Well, quite, you know. a, quite a stint. Yeah, been a long time. A um, couple of options, like the last three years I played there to go somewhere else. But again, I, I signed a one-year deal, another one-year deal, and then finally Brighton came. I, w- I want to take it right back to the start, All obviously, right. when you were a young boy uh, and, and starting out at Ajax. And I'll ask you two questions. One, is it true that they train with tennis balls to to enhance your technique as youngsters? And the second one is, it, how successful was your youth team and who did you grow up with in it? Uh, let me start with the second one, because my year was not that great. Above us and below us, we had really, really good talented players. At the end, uh, from my year, we have some players who made it in the Eredivisie, so the the league in Holland, but the rest, not really. I would say maybe uh, Quincy Promes. Okay. He's playing in Russia now and some other guys playing in, in, in Holland or somewhere else like Bulgaria or something. So yeah, in that case, I can be sort of proud of myself. So yeah. what you're telling me is you were the best out of your year group? No chance. No, I was not the best, literally. I just uh, had lots of like mentality. What was my, yeah, sort of escape, I would say, uh, because of hard work. Yeah, I was like, because every year you have like a conversation with your kaffa from the youth. Okay, um, at half, like half year. So let's say during the winter and then at the end of the season, and then they will tell you, you go with your parents to the kaffa and then you sit like this and then, okay, Joe, let me see. Uh, yeah, you started well, uh, then you had this bit of a downfall, but at the end, yeah, you did great. You have to improve on this and this, but you did great on this. 
But uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, and if you want to, we'll see you next year at Ajax. So that kind of conversation. If you want to. Yeah, most of the time, like 99% you Optional. will. But there were some players who were like, just lost their pleasure, like the yeah. joy. Yeah. Coupon, and then they, they went away. Because it's kind of tough as in like, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, as a 12-year-old kid, you know, less okay. cool as well, less family, less friends. So you had some players who escaped, even though they could go through. But um yeah, I just need to have it from hard work. And yeah, that's why I went every year to the next stage. Yeah. And the tennis balls? Me? The tennis Not balls. Sure. Uh, I only know, we, I never played with tennis balls, to be honest. But in the U, they have like really small balls you can buy in like a toy shop or something. Okay. They don't play in the U with the bigger, bun, uh, bigger balls, but the smaller ones because of improving of the technique. Yeah. Joel, before um, the Premier League and before so many foreign players came over to play in England... Uh, people used to say, if you want to go somewhere to find out how football should be played, you go to Ajax. People say it perhaps more about Barcelona nowadays, but it's still true of Ajax. There was an Ajax way, there was an Ajax uh, mystique. Um, so what is the Ajax way and how were you taught to play? Well, quite in an attacking way, I would say, uh, not tactically at the moment, but in an attacking way like Brighton does as well. You know, play to the wingers and attack, attack the space behind them and same as Brighton, we want to have the ball. Or I say, let's, same as Ajax, like they want to have the ball as well in possession and create chances from there. And I think also Ajax made it public news, I think because of old ex-players who are like now gaffer in the youth. So it's quite a nice thing. And um, let's say Frank de Boer was a gaffer in, on the 19th, then he went first team. Dennis Bergkamp was there as well. Uh, yeah, can go on. But uh, yeah, that's the philosophy over there, yeah. And so the, the total football idea is obviously that every outfield player could play in every position technically. He'd be able to do that. How many positions did you play when you were growing up? Uh, yeah, it's a funny question because I was a left winger when I was like... Really? Started, yeah, <laughs> I know. I was sort of a hardworking Dick Kite maybe or something, you know? <laughs> no disrespect to Kite because yeah. he was amazing at Liverpool and, uh, and uh, somewhere else as well, like Feyenoord and everything. But uh, again, um, yeah, I came to, uh, like they call it like talent days. So I didn't had a scout on the on the sideline of I'm out of where I played. But I was like writing papers, okay, this is my name, I play here, can I please join them? And then you're like joining a group of nine years, 10 year old guys who are like trying to show themselves to the, the scoutings at the high school. And is that just on one day? No, it's like a three days. Okay. And then you will get a letter on your in your in your box or on your doormat, uh, which is like, okay, you can come to the Ajax Academy or not. And I had that. But again, I was a winger. And I scored a lot of goals and everything was well. And then literally the first game I came into the, I think it was the under 10s or something. And I was a right back. Never changed. <laughs> literally never changed, no, no. <laughs> so who made that decision and, and why? Yeah, it was like the gaffer Patrick Ladru was his name. I don't know where he is now, but uh, yeah, it's just decision. And I'm happy that he made that decision because I can't see myself as a left winger like Karu uh, facing 1v1s <laughs> and everything, you know. But uh, yeah, defensively... I was quite good. Maybe that's why he thought, okay, let me put him in defense. Don't the wingers earn more money though? It's probably cost you. Yeah, <laughs> true. true yeah. <laughs> longevity. We'll go for longevity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it must be, you, you touched on the coaches there and ex-pros coming down. It must be quite inspirational for the, for the youth uh, set up. Yeah, yeah no, 100%. And w what I liked over there as well, because in the beginning, the first team was training next to the Amsterdam Arena. 
the Owen Cruyff Arena at the moment. But then they changed it. So they were like training literally next to where the youth was training as well. Philosophy behind it was more like, okay, they can see the first team training. And I was like, then you have to be like, okay, I want to train there as well. You know what I mean? And you see them walking around, going into their cars and everything, that kind of thing. So that was sort of a motivation to get in the first team as well. That was kind of the idea behind it, which I really liked, yeah. Joel, there's not many footballers at 31 years of age that have only had two professional clubs. Why? Just, yeah, like I said, uh, I was happy in Amsterdam. And again, the last three years, I did have some chances to leave, but didn't feel right. Yeah, again, I'm, I was there since I was like 10 years old. Uh, I had my family there, friends. Every year I felt at home, you know, still I feel at home over there, but yeah, there was not really opportunity to, to leave earlier, which I was fine with. I'm not like like the Frankie de Jongs or the, the, the Matthijs de Ligt who's playing in Bayern Munich. They were so talented already at 19, 20 years old. I wasn't that. I wasn't there at my level. So I was sort of like a diesel, I would say. You know, I had to like, the older I get, that was the better I was. So yeah, and at the age of like 28, yeah, I had the opportunity to to leave Ajax, you know, the club was developing as well, I was getting a bit older, they were putting the youngsters instead, and I felt that, and I was like, okay, now it's time to, to move on. So you were in a, a, a dominant club in, in those days at Ajax, I and mean, if, I, if I list some of the players, you mentioned De Ligt and Van der Beek and Ziyech and Bertrand Traore, Frankie de Jong, Huntala, Tadic those people you played with. But coming here was a bit different, wasn't it? it was, this was an upwardly well, mobile club. Well, I don't know where you're going here, Paul, with this. <laughs> well, explain. <laughs> okay. Pressure's on me now. <laughs> Great players here at Brighton as well, but you're, you're joining a club that's going upwards and trying to fight to get to the top, and you're leaving a club that's really dominant in Dutch football. That was that was a challenge, I guess, was it? Yeah, but to be honest, like the conversation I had with uh, Graham Potter, who was the, the gaffer at the time, uh, was really like inspiring, to be honest. Of course, we were like fighting relegation when I came, but also before that. But the idea behind it, I had a conversation with Tony Bloom as well, just, and he was not saying, yeah, we're going to fight for the top four. Of course not. He was realistic. But the idea behind it, one people, um, yeah, it just felt right, I would say. And uh, I knew Davy Proper at the time as well. And he knew the club was involving as well, a new gym we had like two two years ago. Um, so they had the idea to keep involving and don't stay bottom league anymore. Yeah, that, that's really interesting that because during my time, I've seen a lot of lads coming from the continent and we would probably cherry pick players from from top sides like your Ajaxes and, and other top sides around Europe where we probably were financially maybe a little bit more, not stable, but we had a little bit more because we were a Premier League club. And I seen so many people, like you say, come from, come from a football team that completely controlled games. It was just all about attacking. You didn't really have to defend too much. And then obviously it just, it was sort of, the complete opposite, because when you come to the Premier League, you were coming into a side that was backs against the wall. You had to work hard. You had to be collective. And so many crumbled, but you didn't. You, you've you've stood the test of time and proved yourself at, at this level all, over and over again. And it's it's just funny when, when different characters come in and, and some fall True. away and some stay. Yeah. No, just the, 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 how do you call it? Like the... The challenge, I would say, because again, yeah, in Ajax, you have like Ajax, Feyenoord, PSV, and sometimes you have like Twente, I said, who are doing really well, doing really well as well. But 
if you come in the Premier League, like every still every game is sort of a final. You can't you, you can win every game, but also lose every game, you know. And that's still a big challenge for me. And I'm still happy with the choice I made to come here to play in the Premier League. And that was also a big thing when I played at Ajax to have the opportunity to play in the Premier League. We had a nice club, what I heard from Davey and Graham then. Um, so yeah, it was like an easy choice. Brighton fans uh, remember very fondly your, your battle with uh, Wilfred Zaha in March last year. People talk about it still. Um, which, True. You... I saw some comments there like, that's why he left uh, the <laughs> <laughs> do, do you remember it? It looked like fun. I mean, I think you seemed to enjoy it at the time, didn't you? Yeah. Well, that's funny because... Uh, Roberto sometimes like asking me, oh, I want the, the, the Sahajo, you know, the Sahajo to like really like eat yeah. opponent. And uh, I would say if I can focus on, on one opponent, that's, I would say, a sort of a strength for me. And I think, yeah, the, I love the battles, a bit, bit fighting, a bit naughty maybe, but in a fair way. But uh, yeah, I love that, yeah. Because playing right back is a more sophisticated job these days, but occasionally you get in a physical battle, don't you? A, 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 you have to win your contest with your opposite number, don't you? Yeah. But it goes back to what football really used to be in that sense, yeah. doesn't it? No, true. And most of the time, the left right wingers are quite big players, I would say. It doesn't matter if the club is like 18 during Premier League or first. All, the left right wingers are always good. So if you can like kill the, those strength of the opponents, then you're doing a great job. And... Yeah, that's my job sometimes if I play right back, yeah. Mm. That, that is one strength, I think. And I probably think you're the best at Brighton at it is game management. I, mm. I, I always notice that when you play, you, can, you just know how to control the tempo of a game, even if it's something silly like just slowing down to, to go and get a, a ball to take a throw in or buying a foul and staying down. Because it is an art when you're when you're in the heat of the battle and, and momentum might be against you. It, it's about being able to take yourself out of that situation and read it and just think we just need a moment here. Just just a bit of experience, yes, I would say. Yeah. Bit, is that yeah. is that just something that came naturally, or is that something from Ajax? Um, I think during the years, I would say I wasn't that in like in the beginning, but yeah, during the years, yeah, exactly. Like you can manage the games, you can like see what the the, the game's asking for. And if that's delaying the game, then it's delaying the game. If that's like speeding up, then you have to do that. So it's just depends on the games, yeah. But I can be a bit like irritating for opponents. Oh, no, like I, I, I love it. So that's what I heard a lot. But it's just, yeah, like see what the games need, you know what I mean? I think that's something that, that as a newly promoted Premier League team, Brighton really lacked in. Is, hmm. is, is that game management. And and on, I think when you when you watch teams step into the Premier League, they're almost too honest. True. And yeah, and, yeah. and the likes of you, you come in and just 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 know when to slow it down. I feel it I find it really interesting that some people can and some yeah. people just don't seem to ever get there, even with the most experience in the world. No, I think experience for me is a big thing. Uh again, I'm not I'm not really fast. I'm not really strong, you know, I'm not really tall or something. So you need to be smart at most of the times, you know? So yeah, that's how I manage my games. And I'm not like Paris or something who's like up and down every time. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, wow, this guy is unbelievable. <laughs> I just pick my moments and when it's the right time, it's the right yeah. time, yeah. The fans like you a lot, don't they? They, they You've got a lot of admirers in the ground and, and you, you were second to Mark Cuccarella when you were in the Player of the Year uh, vote. 
Uh, is that does that help to have such a strong relationship with the fans? Are you proud of that? I'm really proud. Literally, like sometimes when I'm walking into the supermarket, I remember just a couple of people who work there come to me. Oh, you're doing a great job. Really appreciate you. That kind of small things, even though like, oh, you're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. Something like that. Mm. It's just giving me sort of goosebumps or like, oh, yeah, it's a proud moment. I would say, yeah. So those small bits really help me like even play or do even more on the pitch you know mm. what i mean mm. so yeah really really appreciate those kind of comments or like people come to you and say that kind of things yeah and yet we can't hide from the fact i suppose that you know this is probably the strongest brighton squad the club has ever had so there might be 16 or 18 players who could easily start every game it's not difficult it's not easy to get into this team at the moment is it and sometimes no. you're having to compete with other players particularly james milner and Tarek lamptey how do you manage the disappointment when you're not in the team? Well, at the moment, it's quite more difficult for the gaffer because he needs to make the changes <laughs> and I don't. But uh, yeah, of course, uh, let's say the first three games I didn't play. Yeah, you have some conversation with the gaffer. Uh, probably if I play three games, then another guy will have conversation as well and gaffer needs to manage that. But you know as well, we have so many games the gaffer will need you at one point, you know what I mean? So yeah, you need to be ready and grab that chance with like both hands. Yeah. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Check if you are eligible for significant compensation for free at mydieselclaim.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I just wanted to ask a question on moving with a young family. You'd, you'd obviously spent all your time in Holland, grown up in Holland. All of a sudden, you're, you've got to come to a football club. Yes, it's, it's your decision, but you're moving to a new country with a different culture, with a young family in tour. How did you find that? Because I think a lot of people, I'll see you on a, on a weekend or midweek and they just think you turn up and you produce, but there's so much True. more to it, isn't there? Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I have my, I have to give credits to my wife and children for that, but because let's say my oldest one, she's five now, but how she adapts to English school is just ridiculous. Probably it's also the age where they like because adapt it, it, quicker. But because if she doesn't, that unsettles you, doesn't it? hundred percent. Let's say if you come home and your your wife is like unhappy and everything, she can't find friends or whatever, can't find her you know, her place or don't feel at home, you can play how many minutes you want, but that's, I would say, more important than yeah. the minutes you play, you know what I mean? So if the family is happy, then you are as well, yeah. So presumably, you know, coming to a place like Brighton makes it slightly easier because it gives your family more chance of settling in because it's such an interesting, lively place? Oh, 100%. And it's, again, it's like uh, sometimes we drive six hours, sometimes we fly 40 minutes. So it's really close still. Family almost every weekend, not every weekend. That's what they told me if, when I went abroad. Like, don't <laughs> like put your program full of, of family and everything. Just have your personal time as well. 
But uh, yeah, again, it's quite close. The, the culture is quite the same. Lovely, lovely people in Brighton and around. So that's quite helped as well that we, we moved to a place like Brighton. Yeah. There's an idea we have in this country that Dutch players are very vocal. I remember Sir Alex Ferguson telling me that Ed, Edwin van der Sar, you know, it was, it was a booming voice in the dressing room. Very strong, very strong, clear voice. Uh, are you one of, those, one of those guys? Not really. Of course, you want to say yes certain times, but I'm I'm sort of the same as Davey, you know, Davey as well. He I was not. I don't think it was quite as Davey was. <laughs> Davey <laughs> was, was so relaxed. True, true. That's true. Maybe I'm a bit of in between, yeah. But um, yeah, so during the years, you can see when players are like really in the dressing room, like Arjen Robo we had, he was always on in the dressing room talking, but in a good way, like a proper proper captain but you also had captains who were like quiet and do their thing on the pitch but both are quite good but again i'm not the guy who's like in interesting come on guys and everything <laughs> that kind of things no but i'd rather like 1v1s i'd mm. rather have that than like screaming yeah yeah so we're talking of are you robin and others where are you at with your international ambitions now they're still on but yeah i don't make the choices obviously um uh, unfortunate, uh, of course, I want to be there, but we have lots of competition on that position, right back and uh, centre back. Uh, I can't say he's, wa he's not watching games because Bart is in the international squad, of course. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but what can I do? I just perform on the pitch and it's the only thing, only thing I can do at the moment, yeah. Mm. How would you recap on your time at Brighton? Just the development in the club, you've seen a couple of managers now, a big change and on the playing side of things uh both in style and in personnel so what, what how how has your time been at brighton uh, that's a good question 100 percent like positive those three years i played here um and then the way we improved of course we ended up maybe for my first year what is it 16 or something uh nine six so it's like it's going up but um at the other end we need to stay humble as well they would say you know you know we're brighton we know where we are if we if we win and play well perfect if we lose some games then we need to improve we're not like city or like winning every game almost winning every game even not on sunday by the way but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's how it works you know we want to improve and of course we want to end up top 10 every year and f grow from from there you know like uh, paul said there is no ceiling or tony bloom said that i think um, so again, positive thing, but if we stay humble, we can, we can get there. Yeah. These, these young players that are out there on the training ground, you know, Evan Ferguson and, and CISO and people, it must be, uh, does that remind you of your Ajax time a little bit? Because Ajax is known for producing young players and this club is developing that reputation as well, isn't it? Yeah, no, hundred percent. And, um, yeah, guys like Evan and Julio, they're uh, again on such an age, so, so good, performing in the Premier League, the highest Premier or the league, in my opinion, in the world, the toughest league in the world is just ridiculous. Yeah. And also what I really like, like guys like Ansu coming here, you know, maybe it didn't happen like four years ago, but now they want to come here because they see our play style. They, they, they heard stories from other Spanish players, let's say Rob Sanchez or something, whatever. Uh, we start with this nice place, uh, lovely people, lovely play, way of style. So I think it's a good advertising for for us to get other players as well. Yeah, so yeah, really good. Do you see yourself staying in the game, maybe as a coach and maybe even staying at this club in some capacity? Yeah, I talked with it uh, 
uh, with Bjorn and Bruno, the old assistant coaches. And uh, now I'm going to start with Jack, the goalkeeper's coach as well, to have some conversation about, yeah, joining and do some, how do you call it, like a course. Yeah. yeah. Course over here as well in the youth. So, yeah, I'm, I want to do that. But again, I'm not sure if I want to be the new Roberto De Zerbi or something, not sure. <laughs> I do like the assistant coach a bit, bit less pressure, you know, a bit walking around, being more having fun with the players, <laughs> that kind of thing. Having a so, life. Yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, that's my opinion now, but it can change in two years as well. So Joel, there's been quite a number of Dutch players play for Brighton in recent years. Yourself, Jürgen Lacardia, David Proper that you've already mentioned. Has Brighton's, I suppose, popularity grown in Holland due to that? Oh, 100%, yeah. Because of the Dutch Dutch people, uh, you never know if we were not here or like Davy or Locadia who were not here. Uh, I don't think it was that big, but because of the Dutch people, Dutch people are like following us as well. Uh, they can see our play style. Uh, we beat like Liverpool or whatever. Then they follow it. Sometimes you're reading the comments on like the football websites in Holland, and they were like, "Yeah, I watched the game, and yeah, it was really good." And that kind of things. They're watching Brighton in Holland. You know what I mean? So that's that's crazy. That's, that's quite positive. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should probably add uh, Tim Krul to that list as oh, well before, before we get a text after the. <laughs> yeah, Tim. Uh, Tim, great lad. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, hundred percent. They're following us, and Brighton is getting bigger. Yeah. Joel, you grew up in Amsterdam, you're now in Brighton. There's a lot of similarities with the city, between the cities. Yeah, it is. Uh, quite big as well. Obviously, Amsterdam, Amsterdam is a bit bit bigger, but lots of people are traveling to Amsterdam, but also lots of people from whole England and the world, I would say, want to see Brighton because like, it has the beach, they have lovely restaurants, uh, lovely people, which is quite similar to Amsterdam, I would say. Relaxed. Quite yeah, yeah, exactly. Quite relaxed, even more, I would say, in Brighton. I don't know what it is, but it's sort of a thing in Brighton where everybody, like, accept each other and, like, also on the highway. That's fun of maybe one difference between Amsterdam, Holland and Brighton. Like, if you go on the highway or whatever, they literally, like, flashing lights, oh, you can go in front. <laughs> and in Holland, Amsterdam is a bit like, you have to wait. That okay. kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's, but, that's a bit, bit more like London, I think. Yeah, exactly. But the rest... Similar kind of people in Amsterdam as well, you know, everybody is accepting each other and uh, Brighton is that even more maybe. Yeah. On this show, Joel, we'll also be talking to a, a young man, Harlem Eubank, who was here as a youth player between the ages of 12 and 16. He was a right back, funnily enough. He didn't make it as a footballer and he left to join the family dynasty of, of fighters and boxers, a great Brighton family of boxers that we all know. If you could ask him a question, what would it be? Um, well, it's a good one, uh, around 15, 16, I think you know what you want in life or in your career as well. So what, first of all, what was the reason why he didn't make it and would he do something different if he knew that? You know what I mean? Perfect. Yeah. You could be a journalist when this is over. <laughs> Joel Veltman, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening to this, the new official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Share your thoughts about the show and tell us who you'd like us to speak to at podcast at brightonandhovealbion.com. If you like it, please rate, review and tell your friends. 
the official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast with MyDieselClaim.com. Hello, Paul Haywood and Glenn Murray here with the official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast, the show that takes you behind the scenes at your football club. Or it doesn't, because someone knocked on the door. <laughs> That's a magic trick. Whenever you say Glenn Murray, he appears. Yeah. This podcast is a VoiceWork Sport production for Brighton and Hove Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.